Would you turn please to John the 15th chapter this morning? John 15. If you didn't bring a Bible with you, hold up your hand. The ushers have extra Bibles. Be glad to let you use one of ours. John 15. We've been on a series for some time now called Fruitfulness. Fruitfulness. And we see it described in this passage. Jesus speaking. John 15.1. He said, I am the true vine. And my father is the husbandman. Every branch. How many? Every branch in me that bears not fruit, he takes away. You like the sound of that? Being taken away? Me neither. What's the solution? Bear fruit. Well, I don't like that. Well, bear fruit. (laughs) And every branch. How many branches? Every branch that bears fruit, he purges it that it may bring forth more fruit. Are you a branch in the vine? Does the Lord expect anything out of you? He does. Does he expect every branch to produce some fruit? Yes, he does. He does. I don't know that this has been preached enough or talked about enough. I think a lot of people have the idea, you know, you get saved and that's pretty much it. You just, you know, come to church if you feel like it and. Try not to live too bad of a life and, and until you die and go to heaven. But I'm telling you, there's a lot more to it than that. Amen. The Lord expects, somebody say expects, expects. He expects. He's fully expecting a return on his investment. Amen. Is he? Yes. He invests into you and I. He has bought us. He has redeemed us. He has made us alive again. He has freed us from all our sins. How many know he paid a big price for that? Didn't he? He's put his spirit in us. He's revealed his wisdom to us. He's put his word. How many have heard good word for years? How many good messages have you heard? How many good things has he revealed to you? Out of you just reading your Bible. Are you praying at home or being by yourself? He has invested, 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 put into, put into, put into, and he expects something to come out of you and me. He expects some fruit. If you're producing fruit, is he satisfied with that? No. <laughs> he knows you can do more. Now, a lot of people don't like that. You hear how quiet it got? They're like, whoa. <laughs> How much does he want? All you can do. Let me say it better like this. All he can do through you. Which is way more than you think. Well, why wouldn't we have a heart and say, I want to produce more? Why wouldn't we be like that? Do you? I didn't lose everybody, did I? Do you want to be fruitful? Do you want to produce more than you ever have before? Yes. Make a, a bigger difference. Yes. Let the Lord use you to accomplish more that matters to him. That he would call fruit and fruit that remains. If you uh, skip down to, to verse 5 here. Or verse uh, 7. Let's just for time's sake. He said, if you abide in me 
and my words abide in you. You shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Is he still talking about producing fruit? Yes, he is. Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. So shall you be my disciples. Skip down to verse 16. He said, you've not chosen me, but I've chosen you and ordained you. Why? Why did he choose you? What has he ordained you to? That you and I should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain. That whatsoever you shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. Our believing God, our getting the word in us, our communing with him, our asking and believing, all this is to result in fruit. Fruit. Now he said we can't produce anything unless we are connected to him. Unless there is a free flow of life and communion between us and him. And that is 24-7. How many know that branches need to be connected to the trunk and to the vine all the time? Not just a few minutes out of the week. They need to be connected all the time. If they're not going to dry up and be dead and unfruitful, they got to stay connected. Somebody say stay connected. Stay hooked. Stay connected. And we can do that. Is it possible that you could be mindful of the Lord night and day? You can commune with Him all the time. You can be aware of Him night and day. You can receive things from Him living inside His Spirit inside of you night and day. Well, that's abiding. That's staying connected, abiding and living in Him. Now look back in verse uh, 2 and 3 here again. He said, uh, every branch that bears fruit, what does He do? He purges it. Purges it. So that it might produce and bear more fruit. Somebody say more fruit. That's what we're talking about today. More fruit. Yes, sir. More fruit. What does it require to produce more fruit? Help me out. Purging. Now, you know, if you advertise and say we're having a purging convention. <laughs> Come learn how to be purged. Your tendons might not be so good, you know. People think that's a, something they don't want to hear about. Ooh, that's, that don't sound good. But purging is a good thing. How many horticulturists do I have in here? People that like to work in their flower beds or their yards or their fruit trees or that kind of thing. Well, then you know that plants need to be pruned. Don't they? Your rose bush needs to be pruned. When you see that you've got some new growths and some new buds coming out there. And then you look up beyond that and all this is dead and dry and there's nothing on this. What needs to happen? See, everybody, everybody knows the answer to that. You need to get a hold of your pruning shears. Get out there and get just above the new green growth. And what? Help me out. What? What? Huh? Well, according to the Holy Bible, you need. And I need. And that's not bad. Why would we think that's so bad? You want a bunch of dead stuff on you? Why do we see almost universally church people think, ooh, eh, 
Man, purging. <laughs> purging is good. It's good. Don't you want the dead stuff off of you? Now let's just stop a minute. What's the if you leave the dead stuff home? What's it gonna do? And year after year, you got more and more dead stuff. What's it going to do? Is it going to hinder the plant? Is it going to affect what it produce, what kind of fruit it produces? How big they are? How good they are? Is that dead stuff, is it holding back and hindering new growth and better fruit and more fruit? So what needs to happen? Huh? You want some? Pruning. Oh, that's weak, guys. Let me help. The answer is yes. 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 Do you want to please the Lord? Well, He's not going to be pleased till you're producing more. And you and I are not going to produce more until. Sometimes you got some big old dead stuff. You need the big ones, you know. Or, <laughs> depending on how long it's been since you've been pruned, we may need some major pruning. But do you want to haul that dead stuff around the rest of your life and never reach a fraction of your potential? No. Don't you desire that anything that's holding you back, that anything that's hindering you, that's anything that's restricting you, dulling you, diminishing your uh, ability to produce for him. Somebody say, get rid of it. Cut it off. Get it out. Let's get rid of it. That's your heart? Is that your desire? If it is, he'll help us with it. And the next verse tells how. Verse 3, now you are clean. Now that word correlates to the word purge. If you look them up, you can say it like this, now you are purged. Clean, how did it happen? Through the word which I have spoken to you. The Lord's word is profitable. For instruction and for correction, isn't it? His word does both, doesn't it? And more besides. His word can do precision cutting in you. And it's good, isn't it? His word can come in you and enlighten you that you see something. Man, I don't need that in my life. And here's the great thing about the word of the Lord. His word is never just a word of instruction or just a word of correction. Where the word of the king is, there is power, the scripture said. What does that mean? With the instruction, 
with the correction comes the power, the enablement to make the correction, to make the change. When the word comes to you and shows you something that needs to be changed in your life, something that needs to be lopped off or cut off or eliminated or changed, the enemy will come immediately and try to work on your flesh and say, oh, you can't, you can't. You tried and you just can't. It's a lie. I said, it's a lie. The Lord wouldn't have told you to do it if you couldn't do it. Just by right of him telling you, you know, you can. But here's the good news. If he told you to do it, let me give another example like this. When Peter said, Lord, if that's you, bid me come. And the Lord said, come. How many know that was not just instruction? There was, that was an answer and that was direction, but was there also power in the word come to enable him to come? Come on, can you see it? So when the Lord gives you something, a word, and it comes in and it, it's a word to help purge you and cleanse you, rejoice when you, even if your flesh don't want to hear it, rejoice because you know there's power in this word to enable me to do it. There's more than enough grace, more than enough anointing in life and strength and power to enable me to do this. Now he said, you are clean. How'd they get pruned and cleaned up and trimmed up? How'd they get that way? Through the words. He was speaking. If you'll receive it, that word will clean you up. Won't it? Everybody said out loud, Lord, clean me up. Purge me through your words. Hallelujah. Will you receive them? And it can come to you on a Wednesday afternoon. Come to you on a Thursday morning. Come to you when you're waking up and getting out of bed. You just come to you. You just see it and know it. I need to change that. I need to add to this and increase this. I need to decrease this. I need to cut this out. I need to change this. And what's going on if you'll let that happen? How many of these can happen in even small things even as well as larger things, but little areas Every day. Day in, day out, week in, week out. And if you'll heed them and you'll respond to them, what'll happen? Every day you're being trimmed a little here, trimmed a little there. And you don't have to get out the chainsaw. Because <laughs> uh, that area was trimmed just six months ago, so it didn't need a whole lot. Just, just a little trim there, a little trim there. But what's happening to you? You are becoming a branch with additional abilities. You are becoming a stronger branch. A branch with more ability. Oh come on can you see this. That can produce. More eternal fruit. And fruit. Makes the Lord happy. Doesn't it? He's looking for fruit. You remember he saw that fig tree that time. It had leaves on it. And he came over and didn't find any fruit. He didn't like that. Did he? <laughs> uh, a certain Bible encyclopedia I read one time said that that particular tree in that part of the country if it had leaves and buds it should have had some kind of show of fruit uh, the fact that it had nothing with the leaves at that time meant it's not going to have anything and so this is a lion fig tree <laughs> it's advertising oh, I got, I'm a fig tree but it wasn't a fig tree and it wasn't going to produce any figs and he was hungry and he saw it afar off and he thought, oh, look at there. And he went over there expecting. Amen. And there wasn't a fig on that tree. 
Tell me what happened next. Tell me what happened next. He said, you, <laughs> no, nobody's ever going to eat any figs off of you. And turned around and walked away. That thing dried up from the roots. We get an insight into how the father feels about fruitlessness. I'm telling you. Have you seen anything since we started this series? I mean, I'm seeing it clearer and clearer. He expects fruit. Well, what about you? Are you going to let him produce more fruit through you? I believe. I believe that this church right here, us, this family, is about to experience more fruitfulness than we ever have. God's been pumping into us for years. Hasn't he? He's done so many good things for us. And he's been putting into us the word, the word, the word, life, revelation, direction. He's been prospering us, meeting our needs. He expects some results. some produce. And the exciting thing is he is well able to do it through us. And I believe we are on the verge of a harvest of these years of what he's put in us. And we're about to experience our greatest fruitfulness. For the master. Somebody say so be it. So be it. So be it. In Jesus name. Go with me please over to. uh, Second Peter. And the. uh, The first chapter. Second Peter one. We're talking about more fruit. More fruit. People that are already bearing some. People that are already producing something. You know, our church is not dead. It's not fruitless. We've got some fruit. It's producing some. But I think it could produce so much more. We know that it could. And our individual lives, our families, as a church family, as a ministry. So what's, what do we need? Uh, what kind of changes need to happen for us to become more fruitful? First Peter 1 Excuse me, Second Peter. Did I say first or second? Second Peter, first chapter, talks about this in detail. Verse 1, Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied to you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. How is the grace and peace going to be multiplied? Through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. According as his divine power has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises That by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that's in the world through lust. And beside this, giving all diligence. Now that's a strong phrase, giving all diligence. What does that mean? One uh, translation says, make every effort. How many of this is something you're supposed to stay after? Giving all diligence to what? Add to your faith virtue. And to virtue, knowledge. And to knowledge, temperance. And to temperance, patience. And to patience, godliness. And to godliness, brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, 
charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Do we have a lot of answers right here? Do you want to be fruitful? Not be barren, not be unfruitful, but be fruitful. Well, here we're given seven things, aren't we? That he said will make you so that you're not barren or unfruitful. Well, if it makes you so that you're not barren, what are you? You're fruitful. You're fruitful. Verse 9, but he that lacks these things is blind and cannot see afar off and has forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Now, this is just what we were talking about earlier. Do you know, just because a garden was clean doesn't mean it can't grow back up. Just because a vineyard, a flower bed, or orchard was trimmed and clean and nice doesn't mean it can't be neglected and grow back up and have a bunch of dead stuff on it again. Does it? And that's what he's referring to. He's talking about people, verse 9, that have forgotten that they were purged. There was a time when they were clean. Didn't have all that stuff hanging on. But now, they, uh, they're not exercising these seven areas with their faith. And so they've gotten grown up again. Remember the Bible talked about the parable of the the seed and the sower sown among the thorns. Remember that? And the thorns grew up and what did it do to the word? It choked it out and it becomes unfruitful. So these things are going to keep that from happening. What seven things? Help me out. What seven things? Virtue. Knowledge. Temperance. Patience, godliness, brotherly kindness, and charity. Should we find out about these? We need to know something about these. What's it, what are these going to do for us? They're going to keep us from being living a useless life. They're going to help us to be fruitful and produce even more fruit. Can you say amen? He said, verse 10... Wherefore, the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you shall never fall. Wow. For so an entrance shall be ministered to you abundantly unto the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This uh, refers to a time to come. And we've already seen that there's coming a day when everybody's works are going to be judged by the fire. And some just flesh and nothing is going to be consumed, but other is going to abide the test and come out shining like gold and silver and precious stones. And these seven things with our faith are going to cause us to produce fruit that in time to come we'll have an abundant entrance into the kingdom of God and the reward of God. Does this sound interesting to you? Should be. So let's look at them. I don't think we'll have time to cover all these today. But would it be a worthwhile study to cover them? Yes, sir. Well, if we're interested in fruitfulness, 
This, can you see a wealth right here, right here in this passage, right here? First of all, he said you add these things to something. Faith. So he's assuming you already got faith, isn't he? And we, you know, we're around here, we're strong about faith, but faith is not the only thing you should hear about. There are other things you need to add to your faith. But, you know, what if you try to have these things and don't have faith to add it to? That's not going to work either, is it? So faith is essential, but then there are things to add to your faith. The first one is called virtue. Virtue. Actually, he referred to that earlier in the passage. If you notice in verse 3, it said the Lord has called us to glory and virtue. Did you see that? Well, the word virtue essentially means, if you look it up, it means excellence. Excellence. Has he called us to glory and excellence? Somebody say, I am called called to excellence. excellence. (laughs) You're called to it, to glory and excellence. Do you have an excellent God? Oh, yeah. His spirit is called an excellent spirit. Jesus has been given an excellent name. His ministry is called an excellent ministry. Well, why shouldn't we have excellence? In us and about us and in our life. Can you already begin to see? Could excellence with our faith make us more fruitful? Oh, I'm hearing gears click already. Hmm. Adding to our faith excellence. What is excellence? Some more definition of the word. Excellence means superior. As opposed to inferior. Excellence means to surpass. To go beyond. To outdo. Do you like the sound of that? This is going to make us more fruitful. How? Well the Holy Spirit is the excellent spirit. The wisdom of God is excellent wisdom. It is surpassing Wisdom. Surpassing what? Surpassing what men know. Surpassing what others call normal. We have within us the excellent spirit. We live in a society and generation and the world's always been this way. Varies different degrees, different times and places, but sloppiness and laziness. And people want to know, what do I have to do? And what's the minimum required? Hmm? Is that excellent? Uh -uh. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. And is that good enough? Do we have to keep going? Do we have to stay? Isn't that okay? Is okay excellence? It's not. And yet many have not learned to stay with Things to pursue the Lord to seek until you find it. And when you find it, you'll know it. I know some years ago, Phyllis and I, some individuals we knew back in high school, had gotten saved, gotten to the Lord in a meeting we were in. And so we saw them a year or so later, not a year, a month or so later, 
And uh, I asked the young lady, I said, uh, had they been reading their Bible? And uh, she kind of ducked her head and said, well, uh, no, Brother Keith, I don't guess uh, any of us could read our Bible enough. And when she said that, it bothered me inside. And yet I didn't know exactly why it bothered me or what was wrong with it, because I'd heard that all my life. You know, well, I don't guess we could... I don't guess we could ever thank the Lord enough. I, I don't guess we could ever praise enough. I, I don't guess you could ever, you know, pray enough or read your Bible enough. And have you heard that kind of thing? Yeah. Just all the time. And so later on in praying and getting quiet, it came back up to me and I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, what's, what was that? Why, why did that bother me? What's wrong with that? And he spoke to my heart. I don't mean I heard an audible voice, but just like he speaks to all Christians if they'll listen. He said, uh, Keith, uh, am I unreasonable? Do you believe I'm unreasonable? I thought, well, no, sir. I don't think you're unreasonable. He said, well, then you can read your Bible enough. <laughs> was a revelation to me. You know, he knows that the kids need to be put to bed and the clothes need to be washed. He knows you got to get up and go to work. He knows the grass needs to be cut and the garbage needs to be taken out. Does he really expect you to read the Bible night and day? Does he really expect you to pray with every breath and that's all you do? Does he really expect you to hold up your hands and say hallelujah (laughs) 24-7? Well then can you praise him enough for a given time? Can you read your Bible enough for a day? Can he be pleased? Yes. Yes. How would you know it? How would you know what's enough? Is it the same for everybody? Every day? Is it the same for you day to day? No. Well, how would you know? You know by the spirit who's in you. Oh, come on. Can you see this? You know by the spirit who's in you. And if you've read for a few minutes. And you just somewhere or another don't feel like that's enough. What should you do? Go on. Do it. Read some more. May just be five more minutes. May just be a little bit. And so many people have never experienced this. Because the devil's lied to them. And they think well I can't do it anyway. So they don't even try. And they don't make a decent effort. They just give up before they start. And so they never find out that you can reach a place where you can sense inside that the Lord's pleased with you, that this is good. And if you learn to start doing that, you will begin to live by the spirit of excellence. And this will bring you to excellence in every area of your life. What does excellence mean? Superior, surpassing, to go beyond. Glory to God. And the same thing, if you read your Bible that way, if you pray that way, if you praise God that way, if you give that way. Well, what if you're giving and you have a little check? You don't feel like that's quite enough. Well, do some more. It might just be $10 more. Or it might be 10000 I don't know. It might be two minutes more. Or it might be an hour more. I don't know. But I know this. The Lord can be pleased. I said he can be pleased. He's not unreasonable. He knows everything you know about your life that you need to do and a whole lot more. And he will lead you and I, if we will listen and we will follow, we can come to the place 
of satisfaction in our spirit. And staying with the thing and pursuing it until we reach that is the key to operating in excellence. And you'll carry that over to your job. And you'll carry that over to your work. And you'll carry that over to things that you're believing for and looking for. If you're working on something and everybody else says, well, it's met the minimum criteria, but you know, ah, I'm not satisfied some way or another. Uh, if you feel like there's more, you know why you feel like there's more? Because there's more. <laughs> Even when you get to the place where you feel like that's good, there's an ocean full of more you don't even know about. But that's okay. This is all you need to know today. <laughs> oh, can you see this, friends? But he will let you know where excellence is in any given situation and job and time and project. But you have to be persistent and you have to have faith. You have to believe it's there. You know, maybe you're looking for a house. You're looking for a piece of equipment. You're looking for something. And you've seen 39 of them. And you're still not quite satisfied. Well, deadlines and other things will pull on you and try to get you to just settle for this and and make do with this. But listen, if your heart's not satisfied, pay attention to your heart. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. Stay after it. There's something else you hadn't seen. And when you see it, You'll be so glad that you didn't move on the other. Now it takes patience and your flesh will get antsy. And sometimes, you know, you wanted it done a year ago and you're still looking. And this is why people miss God right and left because they just get tired of fooling with it and they get antsy and they just, well, let's just do that. But all the time in their heart, they're not satisfied. Listen, friends. If it's not quite, it's not right. Make do, won't do. Because you don't serve a God who is unable to come up to what you could expect. Never will he tell you, well, come on now, this is the best I could do. You just need to be satisfied with this. Are you kidding me? Tell me about your God. Isn't he the God who is able to do exceeding, abundantly, above anything you ever thought or asked about? So none of this, you know, well, this is the best we could do. No, you quit. You gave up too early, too soon. And you want to watch about that because, you know, your kids will do that. Your little ones will do that. Your teenagers will do that if you'll let them get by with it. Ah, that's good enough. I did this, I did that. No, no. They need to learn at an early age, stay with it until you reach the place where your heart's satisfied. Are you listening, friends? Because it'll apply to other things. And more if they learn the lesson on the little things, then they won't make big mistakes on the big things. Oh, my. You know, in Tulsa, we, Phyllis and I, had it in our heart. About facilities for the ministry. And we believed and we believed and we looked and we looked and we looked and believed and looked and prayed and believed and thought, well, man, we wanted it last year. We wanted it the year before that. And, you know, we just couldn't get satisfied. There were some great things, but some way or another, it just wasn't right. And we found out it was the wrong state we were looking in. 
<laughs> well, it's no wonder you can't find it when you're looking in the wrong state. <laughs> but what if we just tried to make ourselves settle for something? There. Well, you know, one thing leads to another. See, when, when we finally got it that we're supposed to be looking over here, I had no idea we are going to have a church. Did you hear me? But us following that step and looking for it here led me to the next step for the Lord to talk to me about this. And then he led us to that property across town over there. And Phyllis, you know, was in real estate for a little bit. And so she knew about some of these. Now I said, well, I'm going to stay in and pray here and today. And, and you look some. And, and I did. And she saw that. And she came back and said, you got to see this. And I said, well, you know, we'll find an auditorium maybe that's got, you know, two or three hundred that we could shoot some TV and, and do some stuff. I'm not thinking about church at all. And she said, well, little seat, you know, what, 2,500, 3,000, whatever it was. And I thought, what do we need that for? <laughs> You think that's funny, don't you? What are we going to do with that? What would we need that for? And the Lord said, you need it. I thought, do I now? (laughs) And I had to do some extra praying for the next few weeks after that. But do you see what I'm talking about? If you'd have just said, well, let's just settle for this. Then you don't get to the other thing. You know, if you live a lifestyle of settling for less... And you do it day in and day out. You can miss some big stuff. But the spirit of God who leads you. Is the spirit of excellence. Somebody say excellence. Say it again. Excellence. Excellence. Glory to God. Glory to God. Let me read some scriptures to you. Uh, Don't turn there. But Proverbs 8.6. Wisdom says here. For I will speak of excellent things, and the opening of my lips shall be right things. The Bible said in Isaiah 28, 29, Isaiah 28, 29, said the Lord of hosts is wonderful in counsel, and he is excellent in working. How can you identify the Lord's counsel? It's wonderful, isn't it? Anybody ever got any counsel from the Lord? Is it wonderful? Oh, man. You hear it, and it just clears everything up. You go, oh, wow. Why didn't I think of that already? Glory to That's it. It's wonderful. And his working is what? Excellent. So if you're looking for him, look for wonderful. I said, if you're looking for him, look for wonderful. Look for excellent. Don't stop at ho-hum. Don't park it, might do. Don't camp at good enough. Just stay on it. Other people may give you some grief over it. Well, who do you think you are? What do you think you need? It's not a matter of you thinking you're good enough or better. It's got nothing to do with that. You just want what he's got for you. You just want his plan. You don't want to miss it. And so how can you know? It's real simple. It's real simple. It's almost like a light and a bell. You either have it or you don't. What do you mean? A light and a bell. Ding dong. Flash, flash. 
Am I know what I'm talking about or not? I'm talking about the witness of the Spirit. And you either have it or you don't. And there are times you want to make yourself have it, but you know you don't. And you've looked at 205 and you've called 30 people and you're tired of fooling with it. And you got a deadline, but you look and it's dark and there's no sound. (laughs) So what do you do? You wait and you let patience have her perfect work so that you can wind up perfect, complete, and entire wanting nothing. Mm-mm-mm. Just keep looking. Keep believing. Keep working. If you're working on it and everybody else says, well, that's okay. And you go, well, I don't know. I'm not satisfied. Keep looking. That means there's more. Deep calls to deep. Doesn't it? If there's something in you that's looking for more, why? That means there's more out there. Your head don't know it, but your heart does. You haven't experienced it. You haven't heard it. But your God knew. He's the one put it there. For you to find. (laughs) Glory. (laughs) No we're not going to get to all these today. (laughs) Didn't intend to. You're going to add to your faith what? Virtue or Excellence. Somebody say excellence. excellence. Say it again. Excellence. excellence. Say it again. Excellence. excellence. Go to Hebrews 11. Mm, thank you, Master. Hope you're not snoozing because uh, you're going to need this just right away. There are things going on. Things coming up right away. Hebrews 11, verse 4. Hebrews 11, 4. By faith. By what? Faith. Faith. Abel did what? Offered to God a more excellent, a surpassing, beyond, superior. Sacrifice than Cain. And by which he obtained witness that he was righteous. And God testified of his gifts. And by it he being dead yet speaks. In 2010 we're talking about his offering. In Branson, Missouri. And why are we talking about it? Because he achieved an excellent sacrifice. How did he get there? By faith. Now here's why many don't achieve excellence. They lack faith. The devil will tell you it's not there. What are you looking for? Hmm? You don't even know what you're looking for. The enemy will bring thoughts and feelings to you. And sometimes use other people. To voice them. But what's your problem? This is just good enough. It was good enough for Jojo and them. Who do you think you are? Well, this is just plenty good. What's wrong with this house? What's wrong with that car? I guess I'll never forget one of the first new sports cars that Phyllis and I were able to buy. I had wanted a blue 
Corvette convertible since I was big enough to go vroom, vroom. (laughs) (laughs) And after years of believing God and sowing seed and driving junk and doing everything, we got to the place where we could get one. And we found one. And it was out of state, but we negotiated a great deal on it and were able to get, went to pick it up. Well, they were supposed to have it ready to go when we got there, but they didn't. And they messed around, messed around. We sat there and waited and waited and waited and waited. Finally, they brought it out. And oh, it was pretty. Metal flake blue, white convertible top, white interior. Stunning. It was brand spanking new. We got in it and drove it around the corner and uh, drove it around another corner. Phyllis said something not right. And I played dumb and said, what? <laughs> Because I had the same thing, but, you know, you don't want this to be wrong. (laughs) This thing is pretty. It's fast, too. And we drove a little bit. She said, I don't know what it is, but something's not right. And I thought, yeah, I know. (laughs) Something's not right. In our hearts, you know, you look at, you should have been satisfied. Thing's brand new. It's pretty. It's great. It's got every bell and whistle. What's wrong with it? But thank God by that time we had learned to pay attention not just to what our eyes see, but our heart. And in our heart, something wasn't right. It didn't satisfy us somewhere or another. So we came back and uh, I guess it was the manager there and the salesperson there. And I said, well, guys, you know, I, I, I'm really sorry about this, but I just, we just feel like something's not right about that car. They looked at us. They looked at each other. And when they looked at each other, I knew they think we know something they know. <laughs> and I could tell from what they said. And they looked and they said, well, and they hum hard around. They talked a little bit. And we eventually negotiated a deal on another car that was there. And it turned out to be a good car. But when we were closing on that one, they apologized to us. They thought we knew something. And we never did know. <laughs> but there was something wrong with that car. You know, sometimes they had bad days at the factory. You know, I'd, and I guess maybe they had found some things, but they were just going to get it, move it. It pays to pay attention to what you get on the inside. Doesn't it? And if you're not satisfied in your heart, don't let your head or somebody else's head or ignorance or foolishness talk you out of it. Right? Stick to your guns. You know what I mean by that? And you don't have to know why. Well, why don't you like? Well, I just don't know. But I don't. There was not one thing. You could look at that car. It looked wonderful. But both of us thought, hmm, something's wrong. And it was. How many things the Lord would spare us from if we'd just pay attention? And I wish I could stand here and tell you that I have done that every time in my life and not missed it. But I can't tell you that. There's been times when I missed it because your flesh wanted to do it. And you already made all these plans and you already had the ball rolling and you don't want to upset the apple cart. And you just miss God.
And no need to raise any hands. I see heads bobbing all over (laughs) the place. You know exactly. And how many know what happens is you do not wind up with excellence. You do not wind up with God's best and his plan for you. You wind up with something else. And it can be a headache and a burden and a problem. And all you, the only person you can blame is yourself. People that get upset at other people. But hey, can't you pray? Don't you have a Bible? Can't you hear from God? Who made you do it? Well, they led me astray. Well, you followed. (laughs) They gave me bad counsel. Well, you listened. It's your fault. Be a man. Be a woman. Take responsibility for your mistakes. You got a Bible. You got the Holy Spirit. You can be led for yourself. Don't let somebody else lead you wrong. Bible said in this day, talking about the day in which we live, they'd not tell every man, know the Lord, they'll all know me. Oh, what a, that's why we got a better covenant. They'll all know me. From the least to the greatest. Glory to God. Look at it again. How did he give a more excellent sacrifice? How? Now we know where he wound up. Talking about Abel. With his sacrifice. We know where he wound up. He wound up with Fluffy. (laughs) But this gives you some insight. How did he wind up with Fluffy? By faith. Somebody say by faith. By faith. I don't know where he started. But he wound up at the excellent. And it wasn't just the natural thing. That was all that made it the excellent sacrifice. It was his heart. It was his faith, but him winding up at that place was by faith. And that means he, maybe he looked at uh, Biffy <laughs> or Juju or, or whoever, you know, and they were great sheep, but it just didn't quite satisfy. Are y'all with me, friends? But if you have faith, What does that mean? It means you believe you can find the right one. That even if you've never seen the right one, the right one is somewhere. And the Lord will lead you and you will get too fluffy. Even if you've never seen fluffy. By faith, you say, well, if my heart's not satisfied, deep's calling to deep. If my heart's looking for something, that means it's there. It's there. Even if I've never seen it, never heard about it, it's there. Oh man, I, you feel sorry for people that don't know how to live this way because they are missing so much. Just in the few years that Phyllis and I have begun to learn how to follow his spirit, how many times, it just it begins to be a daily occurrence. How many times we start out for something and that's not it, that's not it, and that's not it. And this is all wonderful and good, but you just know there's something else, there's something else. And you keep looking and oh man, he leads you to this. And you take a step and you still don't know, but that takes you to something else and takes you to something else. And you wind up in a hole that you didn't even know existed. Oh, come on. And you go, glory to God. Glory to God. I have arrived at excellence. I'm enjoying the excellence, the exceeding abundantly above. The perfect and entire, nothing wanting, nothing lacking. The Lord has gotten me there. And that honors him and gives him glory. Can you say amen? Amen. This aircraft we're rejoicing about, man, that's a fine machine. Fine machine. 
And looking back to 1995. I didn't know a propeller from a tail of an airplane. And uh, not only that. That's for other people. You know. That's for rich folks. Never crosses my mind. But us traveling that way. And the Lord led me to do this. And led us to go to this. And led us to go to that. And you think, well, can we do that? How can we? And then one thing led to another. And led to another. And in area after area of life, you're living a totally different life than you ever imagined that you would some years ago. You could have settled anywhere along the way and said, oh, that's not necessary. Oh, this is just good enough. Oh, Huh? And I'm here, north of the Arkansas line. I grew up next door over Mississippi. And some people think it's just being, you know, hum- humble. Drop the H. Huh? And, and you trained in negativity. Trained in it. I know I grew up that way. Now, don't you misunderstand me. The North's got their problems, too. <laughs> but I'm talking about us. <laughs> Somebody come up in a station wagon. One person in the, in, the, in the car. You look in there and go, y'all wouldn't have room for one more, would you? Got them primed. What, you, you set them up to say no. You wouldn't have, would you? No. I didn't think so. <laughs> no, that, that's good enough. That's just plenty. Good. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I know it's a half a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. It's a day old, but hey. You know, there's people in the world getting by on less, and that's just short. I ain't too good to eat that for lunch. No. If you don't get that out of you, you will never produce a fraction of the fruit that God intended for you to produce. Are you listening to me, friends? And it's all different forms and variations of it. And people think it's being humble and they think it's being, but it's being ignorant. And it's actually being prideful. You know, you can be proud of how humble you are. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Spirit of the Lord's here. There's a new day dawning. The time is short. The days are precious. Many have no concern for the Lord. They're embroiled in the affairs of life and entangled in daily life and they will live their whole life and die that way and they'll not look up and seek the Lord's plan nor his will and so the harvest is great the laborers are few every man is needed every woman is needed everyone is needed to look up and have faith to open their hearts and mind and let the big 
and the great vision of God come into them. To be able to see him using them, yes, you, and bringing you up to a level of ability and fruitfulness, ability in money, ability in resources, ability to move and travel and do and pay off and take care of to produce the fruit, to get the job done, to accomplish the will, to preach the good news all over this sin-filled world. Would you say yes? Would you say yes? Purge me of unbelief. Purge me of junk that's held me back that I grew up with. It's been in my family for ten generations. Purge me. Get it out of me. Show me. Everything that's held me back. That's kept me small. That's kept me narrow. That's prevented you from using me in the way that you choose and have called me. Cut it out. Purge it. Let your fire, let your word come. I want to be free. Would you say it? I want to be free. Purge me. Cleanse me. Help me to open up. Help me to enlarge. Help me to be fruitful. To the full measure of your call on my life. Hallelujah. Stand up on your feet, everybody. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.